This is really interesting. Toronto Center for Addiction and Mental Health says it's received its first ever federal grant to study whether the active component in magic mushrooms, psilocybin, can be used to treat depression without psychedelic effects. Dr. Ishrat Hussein is Associate Professor of Psychology and Head of the Clinical Trials Unit at CAMH, and he is good enough to give us a little bit of his time this morning. I know you're a busy man, so I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Kelly. How long has this, uh, th- this uh, I guess, funding uh, grant been waiting approval? Well, we submitted it earlier this year, and we're pleased to find out uh, a couple of weeks ago that uh, the federal government is supporting us with this uh, particular proposal. So it's uh, been a while in development, but pleased to, to hear that it's, it's now um, uh, on the go and, and uh, we can start uh, developing and launching the trial. What motivated the uh, Center for Addiction and Mental Health to look into studying magic mushrooms, specifically psilocybin as a treatment for depression? I think uh, it's important that an academic center like CAMH is at the forefront of uh, psychedelic research. As uh, many people may be aware that these um, drugs are getting a lot of attention uh, in the public and in the media as potential uh, uh, breakthroughs uh, in the treatment of mental illness, including depression. But really, what we really want to do is understand uh, uh, how these drugs work, how we could scale them up if they do work, uh, and whether they're safe uh, for, for individuals with mental illness. So uh, the, the sort of motivation for this particular uh, work was trying uh, to, to add to the evidence base that uh, psych- psychedelics like psilocybin are effective and safe, and also how they could potentially be scaled up because at the moment uh, when you administer these drugs, they require quite a lot of resource and intensive psychological support during the treatment. Is that because of the psychoactive uh, ingredient? Absolutely, yeah. Um, in a, an active dose of psilocybin, the psychoactive or, or the psychedelic trip, as it's commonly referred to, lasts up to eight hours. Wow. which means that uh, a patient needs to be supported for that entire time uh, by two trained uh, therapists. Um, and that can be quite resource intensive. Um, and, you know, then if it is effective, how do we then sort of implement that into the healthcare system and uh, uh, on a wider scale? So we're trying to test whether you actually need that psychedelic effect to have the uh, therapeutic benefits. Uh, and although it's, it's such an important question, uh, there's no study that we're aware of uh, as yet that's looked to answer it. Okay, so how will your study uh, be, I guess, structured, and how will it look to answer that? So it's an innovative clinical trial. Uh, it's it's a what's called a double dummy study. And uh, what we're going to do is what's unique about it is that we're actually going to uh, uh, confirm uh, the effectiveness of psilocybin alone um, uh, because we're going to compare it to what's called a a placebo or an inactive uh, drug, but we're also going to look at uh, psilocybin in combination with a commonly prescribed drug in mental illness that actually blocks psychedelic effects. Uh, And this is a a drug that's routinely available, uh, and we're going to give it prior to giving uh, a group of people the psilocybin, which will then allow us to compare the effectiveness uh, in each group uh, to see, you know, how they differ. Uh, in terms of with or without that psychedelic effect. 
I guess the best outcome would be um, if you sent, found positive results within both of those groups, the one with the blocker and without the blocker, because then people could choose how they would like to get their treatment. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I think that's important. Uh, I think, you know, I, even in uh, outside of a professional setting, often people approach me and, and say that they're very intrigued by the idea of getting access to psychedelic drugs for the treatment of their mental health issues, but they're apprehensive about something like a, an, you know, eight hour psychedelic experience. So this may be a way to, to increase social acceptance and above all, also uh, increase access uh, and scalability on a broader scale in our health service. So that would be a great outcome if we're able to show that uh, and if we're able to confirm it in further studies. Yeah, tell me about it. How long would the treatment last for each person? You know, it's an eight-hour trip, so each dose would last about eight hours. But how long does this the clinical study go for? So, uh, like any clinical trial, particularly trials of uh, psychedelic drugs, they're intricate, complex. We're dealing with a controlled substance, vulnerable populations. We want to make sure that we're we're doing the science robustly, uh, and you know, uh, are following all uh, uh, the the sort of required steps to ensure that. Uh, we've given ourselves a three-year timeline for this particular study, uh, which would allow us time to, to set, set up everything appropriately, recruit the right population, and then administer the treatment. We've all been here, you know, we've, we've all heard these stories about, you know, drug use, LSD, magic mushrooms, especially the psychedelics where, you know, in the past people have taken too high a dose and gone off the deep end. It's actually led to mental health issues. I don't know if it's, you know, we don't know for sure if that's what led to the mental health issues or they were there or if it was, you know, a situation where it was a coincident, coincidence. But how uh, much of a worry is that? I think it's uh, it's a reasonable concern, uh, and I don't think I don't think these particular types of drugs are a panacea or a, a one size fits all approach uh, for people with mental health conditions or anybody. I think that you know in the studies that have been done so far, and even the study that we are going to do, we are carefully selecting uh, people to ensure uh, that they wouldn't be vulnerable to uh, those psychoactive effects because there's there are a group of individuals. For, for whom these treatments would be inappropriate, particularly those, for instance, with a history of severe mental illness like schizophrenia uh, uh, or psychosis, then you wouldn't want to give them something that, uh, you know, further uh, is further sort of something that alters their, their consciousness or uh, and can cause psychotic symptoms. So we're carefully selecting uh, the population that we're studying, and, and it is a concern. Uh, I'll, I'll stress that, as I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all, and, and these aren't appropriate for everybody. Dr. Hussein, I was doing a little research uh, before our conversation, and I uh, heard that you mentioned in the past that people, specifically young people, have started to self-medicate with microdoses. Now, a lot of people are familiar with microdoses. Can you expand on what you've been seeing when it comes to psilocybin use? Yeah, I think, you know, there's this uh, internet subculture that's kind of developed and, and led to this practice of microdosing, whereby particularly younger uh, folks are, are uh, microdosing either LSD or psilocybin in an attempt to enhance their cognitive function or psychological well-being. But actually, the evidence that microdosing uh, any psychedelic has mental health benefits is very, very weak. Um, and in fact, uh, there's been no published study in people with a diagnosed mental health condition of microdosing. So uh, uh, it's something that we see in our uh, clinical practice. Uh, I work in the CAMH emergency department. I've seen people come in 
with, you know, with, with quite severe mental illness. And you learn that they have been self-medicating with these psychoactive substances like psilocybin. So it's very important that people don't seek out these uh, drugs themselves, try and self-medicate and always approach a health professional because, as I said, they're not for everybody. Right. Obviously, your clinical trial is going to be uh, everything is going to be well measured. But if you're dealing with people microdosing and they're actually using specifically the physical magic mushroom, it'd be pretty hard to figure out the dose. Yeah, uh, and that that is uh, a very important point. When we are doing these clinical trials, we're using, uh, you know, pharmaceutical grade uh, investigational drugs, whereby, uh, whereas in, you know, in the public, you're ordering something online or getting something from somebody you don't know, you, you actually don't know what's what's in the compound you're taking, what the dose is. So it's really important not to, to, to seek this out, uh, uh, you know, recreationally. The long-term goal with your study would be that uh, we could possibly see psilocybin use uh, being prescribed by doctors for depression? The long-term goal is to find a new uh, safe and effective treatment for depression because uh, there is a large group of people that don't get better with what we have. And we hope that we are able to find a, a safe, effective, uh, and accessible treatment uh, uh, through this clinical trial uh, with psilocybin um, and, and uh, help you know, a large uh, number of the population. Dr. Hussein, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. It's a fascinating study, and we'll check in and see how, how it's going. Hopefully, uh, three years will pass very quickly, and it will be successful. Thank you very much, Kelly. Have a great day. Yep. Dr. Hussein, Associate Professor of Psychology and Head of the Clinical Trials with psilocybin at CAMH that will get underway soon. It's the first federal grant to study magic mushrooms as a treatment for depression in Canada.